Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show, a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves well over 1,000 athletes per year and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my family. We immediately discovered the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, and it's become a huge part of our lives as my husband, Tim DeBoom, is a ski and bike coach, and my daughter, Wilder, has found happiness, friendship, and joy through skiing, jumping, riding, and more. I am thrilled to bring the positive energy of the Winter Sports Club to people all over the world. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. It is a very special show because we are talking to a very special person. It's Steamboat's 100th Olympian. He competed in ski jumping in Beijing 2022 earlier this year. Yes, we have the Decker Dean on the show today. Decker, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here and thanks for having me. Well, you're coming to us via Zoom today, which means you are not currently just down the street in Steamboat. Where are you right now? So I'm in Lillehammer, Norway. I... Um, train here with my team. Uh, we have some relatively new um, Norwegian coaches. So we've been based out of here since the beginning of the summer. And yeah, so we actually were just in Park City um, about three weeks ago now, and then spent a week in Lake Placid, New York on the new facilities there. But other than that, I've been based here in Lillehammer. It's about two hours away from Oslo. So. Oh my gosh. And so you're 22, you're a world traveler. You're just like doing the thing. You're following your passion. We want to dig into all things Decker today. I think the coolest, uh, the best place to logically start would be to learn about what it was like growing up in Steamboat. Can you share a little bit about Decker Dean, the little boy? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was crazy. So I was actually, I was originally born in Washington state. Um, but moved to Steamboat before the, even the age of one. And my family and I actually lived out in Clark on Seahouse Road. And um, so I, we lived there until I was about five, but I was on skis in a backpack even before the age of two. Um, so that was pretty much the start of all of it. And then, yeah, I mean, as growing up, once we really moved into town was when I got really, really into Nordic Mind and Ski Jumping. And I started with a little Vikings program uh, with Bill Gamber, Kip Rillos, Aaron Vargas, um, as all of the coaches. And I mean, from that moment on, I really 
really fell in love with the sport. Um, I've never actually done any other activity in the water sports club except for Norco combined and ski jumping. So it was really from day one that I was like, this is what I want to do. And this is what I really love. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really good. I mean, there's no better place to grow up than steamboat to be, you know, a, a little ski bone as a kid. Oh, so, I love this. I love this. Well, you say you were on skis at two, which probably means that your parents were also skiers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. My dad is a big, my dad is a big uh, telemark skier, which is funny because I actually, I don't remember the last time that I alpine ski. I also tele ski when I'm not ski jumping. So we've kind of taken a different path, you know, kind of more old school path, I guess. But my mom's not a big skier. But super outdoorsy. And I mean, she likes skiing, but she's got other stuff to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You get like in you get a different experience from each parent, and that's gonna rub off on you. I know that when you were a kid, yeah, skiing was a huge part of your life. It's become a part of who you are. It defines you in in a in a way, not fully. So what were the other things you did when you were little, when you were young, developing? Yeah, we actually was talking about this like kind of recently, just like what, like what the heck did you guys do? Because I mean, Steamboat's a really small place, and I mean, growing up there is way different than just like visiting. So a big thing, I mean, when I was really little, mountain biking, unicycling, that was like a big thing when I was really little. Was we all bought unicycles? Our parents got us unicycles, and we'd get these unicycles with some like big treaded mountain bike wheels, and you know, go crash, go down trails places where you weren't supposed to unicycle or <laughs> known to unicycle. And yeah, it was, I mean, swimming in the river, classic, like swimming in the sea hole. And yeah, I mean, just kind of running amok with my buddies was kind of, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it's just, it's a really cool experience to be able to grow up there because there's actually such a difference between like living in a big city with a bunch of kids versus like a bunch of little mountain kids. So it's, you definitely, Get to experience that side of things. Well, I'll tell you, swimming in the sea hole is still a thing. It's still oh, happening. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I just love this. I imagine you on a unicycle. I mean, you're like imagining that doesn't even seem real. Like little kids rolling <laughs> around on unicycles, like unicycling right. <laughs> to the river and like fooling around. Were you a um a pretty good kid, I guess for lack of a better word, or did you get into some shenanigans? No, definitely some shenanigans during there. For sure. Want to share? <laughs> Want to share for, any? For sure. uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, definitely wasn't like the goody-goody of the bunch. I don't think any of us were. So um, I think we definitely, something something funny we used to do, it's not super funny other people, is you'd jump in the river like right before so like the tourists would come down on the tubes and then like go up under their tubes and push them out. That was always like, really fun and really funny for us to get everybody mad. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> was it like a bad kid, but also was it like the, the nicest little like golden child for sure. <laughs> you know, I think you might've done that to me before I moved here when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. My bad. Um, <laughs> Well, I think, you know, for the kind of sport that you gravitate, well, you didn't gravitate to it. You kind of just knew right away, but the sport that you do, you need to have a little edge. 
you cannot do ski mm-hmm. jumping and be nervous, scared, following every single rule out there, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely an adrenaline sport. Yes, it definitely is. Um, I have a note here that your friends call you the jumping machine. I found this <laughs> when I was Googling your bio and that you yeah. skateboard and mountain bike as well. So there is a little more depth there. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely skateboarding and mountain biking. Um, definitely more like summer activities. Then, um, yeah, there's actually, I don't know if you know the Flanagans, um, Bodie Flanagan, the local, they're locals and their dad was always an announcer, like for us growing up as kids. And he always called me Decker Dean, a flying machine ever since I was a little, little kid. So that's stuck. And it's funny to hear it now for sure. Like when I was, I, I hadn't heard it in a while when I was competing at the Olympics, I was watching a rerun of the competition and heard that was like, Dang, that's, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh, how fun. Well, we're going to get to the Olympics in a little bit here, but you know, it, it's, Obviously, Steamboat is a very special place. You don't just become a ski jumper if you like grow up in Iowa. Like, (laughs) you know, these are opportunities that are only presented in a few places in the world. And it's so cool because sometimes I think about really special athletes like you. And I think, Mm -hmm. what if they were never introduced to this thing? What if they never found it? Like this is their secret weapon, like the thing they were made to do in this world. Do you ever think about that? Yeah. And it's actually, that's a really interesting point because in America, there's only a a few places that really have ski jumping. So it's like Steamboat, Park City, Utah. And then there's actually in the Midwest, quite a few clubs around there, but the jumps are different. They're built upon like scaffolding towers. So the end runs are, and then the takeoff is built onto a hill. So, so my teammates, I have a teammate from Illinois and a teammate from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So places you wouldn't think of, but they make it work over there. And then, yeah, I think most of like the bigger clubs and stuff are Steamboat and Park City, obviously, because we have all size hills and especially in Steamboat, we have the Women's Sports Club. So it's like, it's right there and you see them every single day. Um, but actually in the U S it's a pretty small sport, but when you come to Europe, it's actually like the American football of Europe. It's like the most popular winter sport over here. And it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, let's talk a little more about ski jumping as a sport. Um, maybe a little bit about, you kind of alluded to it in the U S maybe it's what we might call a fringe sport, you know, people, they go ski jumping. Is that when you're doing flips and stuff? And you're like, no, ski jumping in the pure form is when you're literally flying through the air, like in the Olympics. Like that's what I always have to say to people to help them understand. Um, So what is the state of the sport in the U S like, how do you rise to become one of the best? Yeah. So in the U S right now, it's actually a really interesting, but really cool and promising like situation is, we have a super young national team. So I guess I'll start with like national team kind of work down is we have a super young national team. Um, there's four of us on that made the team this year. So it's smaller than years prior, but it's our oldest guy is 23 years old. And then I'm the second oldest at 22. And then we have 21. And then our youngest teammate just turned 18. And he's also from Warriors Sports Club, the young guy. Um, so 
it's really interesting and it's really cool. And for us, we've all actually shown to be able to be on a really high level when we come over to Europe um, mm -hmm. with securing World Cup points, securing podiums. And with this whole new Norwegian system that we're in, it's really cool to see like the differences between the way we have trained in the past and where we're training now. And I think for a smaller nation in ski jumping, it's definitely harder to get up with the top nations, but it's very doable and very possible, but it's kind of like F1 racing in a sense, like that's been kind of thrown out there a lot recently is the more money your organization and team has, the better the athletes tend to be. But now we found our situation in a cooperation with Norway. So we are kind of part of a bigger team now. And it's going to be really cool to see what happens in the next four years. I think it's going to be really interesting because I think there's going to be a lot more of a mix up in, you know, the top 30 guys in the world. And because we've all been really close to that already. And we haven't had, we've had awesome support and great support, but it's not like we're getting the same support as Germany, Austria, like those bigger ski jumper nations. So what it boils down to is you need the resources, the right coaching, and you need to be in the right system. So the system that we have just been put into is really, really, really awesome. And on a club level, going down, the Winter Sports Club does this as absolutely as good a job as they possibly can to get you up to the national team level. But then from there, that's where all the logistics and kind of politics and the money comes in. And just, you know, when you kind of turn into adult, like kind of just like a normal, normal life. Um, yeah, in the club, it's really cool because if you, if you looked at it like myself or Eric Belshaw, who's the younger, the youngest guy on our national team when we were 12 years old, they had a world championship for 12 year olds. You never know. Like, I mean, the Winter Sports Club does such a good job and they develop super, super, super talented young athletes. So it's kind of like that breaking point when you turn 18 years old, like what's going to happen then? Um, but yeah. So Winter Sports Club, maybe this is a good way to put it. Tell me if I'm wrong is kind of like a launch pad. Like they develop the talent. They take you to the highest level they can get. And basically from there, then you need to fly and you need Pretty to much. find your, you go off and you do international work with other coaches and you pave your way, but they become truly your launch pad. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's crazy to think like when I started jumping was with Todd Wilson and Gary Crawford, Gary's not around anymore. Todd still is. Um, and then I moved with, there was a coach in there. His name was Alex Miller. And he was there for a little bit. And then we got Carl Denny, who is the current coach of the team down at the Winter Sports Club. And, and so like thinking like, oh, I was there for 18 years and only really worked with like four people. Like that's kind of like crazy. But in my case, I, so I actually made the national team when I was turned the year I turned 17. So I ended, I was out of the worst sports club a year early, but that was more, I switched to do it online high school, my senior year. So I could come to Europe more and compete more. So I was a little early into working with the European coaches and the national team coaches, but I mean, yeah, up in from the age of five to 17, it was all with between five people. And it's amazing. Even from like yeah. And like, even from like Todd Wilson being my coach when I was five, I still was, I mean, 
how did I even talk about my jumps when I was 17 and on a way higher level? Like that's how in, in depth and how good the communication and coaching flow is at the winter sports club. So yeah, well, definitely is like a launch pad. It is for sure. And I mean, in Todd's case, I mean, it's, he's giving back. I mean, he's a two-time Olympian. He's a rock star. I've had some great conversations with him. I've got a funny story for you. Um, yeah. Yesterday was the end of season jump group barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all Classic. right, I'll go check this out. Cause I've got a 10 yep. year old girl who started jumping in the winter awesome. and earned her jump skis and did the 20 and you know, That's she awesome. loves it. She had a blast. So yeah. we did some summer jumping which this is another yeah. thing that's really kind of crazy for anybody who visits Steamboat or Park City or anywhere who has these cool facilities, not obviously many places. Um, in the summer, you'll be walking down by where they are and you'll hear this like unmistakable whooshing noise, kind of like a whistle whoosh. And you'll yeah. look up and there's people yeah. flying through the air in the summer. And mm -hmm. I love that, that they have the facility so you can practice all summer. It looks right. like... Um, from a distance, like it could be a golf course, but really it's, it's turf on a very, very <laughs> steep hill. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to slide down it in a swimsuit. Yeah. No, you know, no, you definitely turf don't. burn, turf burn. Um, yeah. but it was, it was really fun to yesterday to even be at the barbecue and feel the camaraderie of mm -hmm. the kids who are in this program, have all the coaches there in a relaxed setting and just be able to really, it felt like a family. And I wonder, you know, did you get that vibe when you were growing up here in your, with your ski jumping group? Oh, for sure. And it's, I mean, that's how it's always been. And I really, really hope that it always will be. And it's so good for when I go home to see, like, it's still the same as when I was just a little guy there, because that was so important. I mean, I, to this day, my best buddies are the people I met through the sport and my real brother, like best friend I would refer to him or as a brother is, was who I grew up with ski jumping. And that's what really brought us together. And I mean, the vibe down there and the, the, the vibe between you and your coaches is just so like, when you spend 18 years with them and you're down there every single night, Monday through Saturday. And it's, you definitely develop some pretty crazy deep, awesome relationships and like, Carl Denny and I met when I was, I want to say 14. And I still will get coached by Carl, but, and I will always look at Carl as a coach, but he's also one of my closest friends. And it's cool to be able to say that because it's like, I'm not part of the club anymore. I love going down to the club, just like, you know, hang out with Carl, see the kids. But Carl and I do our fair share of hanging out outside of the ski jumping world as well. Oh, I just love that. That is so cool. Um, it's interesting. I was thinking about the idea of celebrity, you know, and here in the States, yeah. you wouldn't just walk around and get recognized unless you're at an event, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but yeah, you go over sure. to Europe and you said like ski jumpers are literally celebrities over there. I mean, how does it feel to be, were you like, whoa, this is, <laughs> I don't know. Tell me about your impression of that kind of concept. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because even in Europe, country to country, it's, it's different, but it's, 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 it's way different. Like to be able to, you know, you flip on the TV and you're just like sitting on your couch scrolling and you're like, oh, there's me on TV, watch <laughs> like a replay. Like that sort of stuff is, I mean, that was definitely pretty crazy. It definitely started to happen with me a bit more the past 
year and a half, two years. Um, and a place that it's really big, the biggest place it is, is in Poland. Actually, they like worship ski jumpers there. It's crazy. Um, it's their biggest sport, biggest celebrities, some of their biggest celebrities. And I mean, you know, as an up and comer as myself, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not the, the face of ski jumping or anything, but like, you know, sometimes you walk around and especially in Poland, people would come up to you in a gas station, like, oh, can I have a picture of you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like that, I mean, that, for me, that was crazy. For all of us, that, you know, the first time that happens is especially like, whoa, weird. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's cool and it makes you feel really good too. And I think that's a super important thing too, is like with ski jumping kind of being like a lower key sport in America, it's super important to take advantage of having a really good support group and a lot of fans over here. You know, uh, when you're a kid, you do sport many times because you just love it and then you're good at it. And then when you're good at something, you love it more. And, you know, you just kind of keep following the path. As an adult, you have a choice. Like this could potentially become a job with a when you when you decide to take a job or pursue a career, it usually means you need to earn money. So like, you know, in the States, maybe you can earn some money doing this, but it sounds like in order to be a professional ski jumper, you need to go to Europe to really pursue it. Would you would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, all the money, all the competitions are here. I mean, the World Cup circuit is here, the Continental Cup circuit is here. The Continental Cup circuit is the level down for World Cup. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you want to be the best that you can be, you have to come here. And Because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to show what you can do and earn a bunch of money. And yeah, I mean, hopefully with Lake Placid's new facilities that we will get a, a World Cup at home, um, which hopefully this winter, fingers crossed, will happen. And I mean, that, that would be huge for us in America. And it's like, it's crazy. Cause there was actually a statistic from the Olympics that the country that had the most views on ski jumping and this past Olympics was America. So that's a good sign for us to show that the sport is growing because the market in the U S is so huge. Oh, huge. And I think there's just some like awe factor, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's almost one of those things where like, you can't look away because you're like scared at the same time that you're watching these athletes. Right. Right. Um, you know, I always think that it's a true sign that you've, you know, you've really made a decision when you're filing your taxes and it asks you what your profession is and you yeah. write professional ski jumper or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Um, so is that what you currently are? Are you a professional ski jumper? I would, I, at this point, I would consider myself a professional ski jumper. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any side gigs? Um, I haven't in the past couple of years, um, just jumping and training as we, like you said, we can train year round and train in the summer. So I try not to ever tell myself, oh, this is my job, but I think it is, but you you can't let, you can't let that, like in my head, I can't let this is my job taking over like this is what I love to do. And this is what I have been doing for my entire life. And this is what I enjoy. And that, cause that's, what's most important. I mean, just as long as I'm having a blast now, just as much of a blast now as I did when I was five years old, that's all that really matters to me. I love that. And I think um, there is a fine line between when you call something a job 
you often come to resent it or get annoyed by it or whatever. So we're just yeah. going to reframe that. And we're just going to say that you're doing what you love. You're, pr- yeah. you're ski jumping as a pro. Yeah. So let's just tell everybody, because they're all sitting here wondering, like, what does that actually mean? Like, how do you fill your day? And how do you make your money? And what do you, so tell us, paint the picture of the life of a professional ski jumper. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it depends on the time of year and it kind of depends on like where you are in the world doing that sort of stuff. But I guess like, like today I, we woke up, um, we went to the gym and we worked out for about two and a half hours as a team, came back, ate lunch, and then we went and trained again in the afternoon. And now we are just hanging out and whereas like tomorrow we'll wake up, we'll go to the hill and we'll jump probably five to six jumps have a quick lunch and then come back and take another four to five jumps. And, and, and I mean, it's an everyday routine. I mean, do take Sundays off for sure. Like always, always take one day off to just like get relaxed and kind of forget about jumping for a day. Cause you know, it's such a mental sport. It's more mental than anything. And you definitely need to give your brain a break from ski jumping because if you think about it 100 percent of the time which i think honestly all of us do but if you really like are just so focused on it all the time it can maybe take away from what you're actually doing and living a good normal life especially for us who are you know we're moved away from home so like when we're over here it's like we're here for ski jumping we're not here to vacation we're not here to travel we're here for jumping so it's important for all of us to like take that mental break and really take a step back and be like, okay, I'm still a human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Normal person things. You know, and six days a week, you're training your body, but this is mm-hmm. a very mental sport, as you just said. So how do you train your mind? Yeah, I think indivi- it's individual for everybody. I um, have worked with a sports psych before, for sure, um, especially coming into being on a, on the highest level of the road cup circuit. I mean, it's super important. Like, I mean, I'm on the younger end of kids or uh, men (laughs) on the road cup circuit, I should say, um, I mean, I'm competing against guys up to the age of 40 years old every single weekend. So they're experienced, they're mentally trained. So to be a young guy and, you know, watching these kids when I was a little, watching these guys that I'm competing against when I was a little kid and now competing against them is definitely like a, oh gosh, like this is happening. And it makes you nervous. And so, yeah, really coming into the highest level, I'd say about a couple of years ago, I started working with a sports psych and have definitely kind of weaned off a bit doing that because I'm getting more experience as well. And I, I know it works for me. And there's still days, you know, where like you show up and you're like, ah, today feels weird. I don't feel good. And you get a little, more, little bit more nervous than other days. And some days it's just like muscle memory kicks in. You know exactly what to do. And it just happens. It's amazing that you can, and I, I, I'm relating to this myself, that you can still feel nervous after so many years. You know what you're doing. It's not that you don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, but yeah. I think that's an actually a really important and healthy emotion. And it's what's going to help you have your best performances, but it can be crippling for a lot of people. It can really take yeah, you out. Sure. And I think... Where the nerves comes in, it's like 
when I'm a really high-level athlete gets nervous, he's not nervous to go off or she's not nervous to go off with ski jump. It's like you get really excited and you want to do as best as you can. And it's more like that, that type of nerve and like, and more excitement for me, especially like sometimes, you know, if I, most of the time, if I jump bad at a competition, it's because I'm too anxious and too excited. And you just have to relax and do the same thing that you do in training and don't like big idea. I always think about it is like less is more, the less you do, the more it's going to work out. Like the less you don't need to try harder in a competition than you do in training. Because in ski jumping, that can seriously affect your jump. If you try as hard as you can in the competition, you're done. Wow. Just, and that's, I think for a lot of young jumpers and guys coming into the highest level, that's a hard lesson they learn. It's like, I'm at a World Cup now. I'm going to try my absolute hardest to do the best. Short, last place. <laughs> but it happens to everybody. It happens to every single person. Like every, every ski jumping athlete goes through that at some point. So... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to add on that I think almost every sport is the same. There is a level a point of diminishing returns when you start trying that word trying harder. Um it, trying harder doesn't necessarily get you better results at a certain point. It's all the little things that have to click and a lot of times it is just whether it's your day or not. <laughs> wow. So at 22 are you considered young or old in your sport? Still very ill. Um, so, yeah. How old do people, how long can you keep doing this? I guess is the gist of my question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're making a full blown career out of it, I think up to, I mean, a guy who was 37 years old won the silver medal at the Olympics this year. So, again, individual for everybody. I mean, you might be 40 years old and be in the best shape of your life. And, but I think you see careers and, mostly between 35 and 40. All right. So you've got over 15 years. Oh, yeah. Are you going to keep going as long as you can full-time just doing it? Yeah, that's the plan for now. I love, I love this sport and I always have. So for me, I don't, I mean, I don't want to be doing anything else. I, I mean, I've sacrificed so much to already be like where I am now. So I want to see it pay off as much as it can. And I think something I told myself is I don't think I'll ever let myself retire until I know I've reached like my full potential. You know, and it's it's such an interesting point because maybe you never officially retire. You just <laughs> keep going until you're doing the next thing. And because maybe you'll come back. I mean, Michael Jordan kept coming back. He kept retiring. You don't yeah, have to you retire. Know, just a lot of ski jumpers actually do that. They take I mean, I've seen people take a year break and then come back. And then crush it. And sometimes that's what it takes. It's a super, like we said, it's a super mental sport. So if you need to give your brain a break for a year to go enjoy yourself and be normal, and then you find like, oh, I really do miss it. And this is what I really want to do. It's when you return. And I think that's a big thing is like for ski jumpers, especially is you get addicted to it. Like you get addicted to the feeling of ski jumping. You get addicted to the feeling of competing. And that's, that's a huge thing. All of us, I mean, we're all adrenaline junkies. Like we love flying through the air, going past 200 meters, going 60 to 90 miles per hour down this in run into the air. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, it is an addicting feeling for sure. Yeah. And you know, that can be dangerous or it can just be so joyous. So we're going to, you're going to be on the joyous route 
and you yeah. can dip your toe in the danger every once in a while, but we're going to keep you on oh, that yeah. route. Does um oh, yeah. being a very like fully immersed pro ski jumper allow you to date people, potentially have a family, go to college? Like, how does all of that fit in? Or do you just do this? And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm 38, 40, whatever. I'm, maybe it's time for the next phase. Can you do more than one yeah. thing? Yeah, I'm actually dating um, I'm a ski, uh, another ski jumper. She's a Canadian ski jumper. Um, she also lives in Europe. So that works out for us pretty well. Um, <laughs> Europe's so kind of big, nice. though. I mean, is Europe's she... kind of big. So I, we, me and her actually, we both lived in Slovenia until leading up to this year when I had some coach changes. And But, you know, a plane ticket in from Europe, for a, from a European country to another European country is far less than America to Europe. So we've made it work out. And yeah, I mean, that's a super important thing for me. Is like, I have a, another, a, another life outside of ski jumping and ski jumping doesn't make me like who I am. It's like, what my, you know, I have other things to do. And I keep in touch with all my friends and I see my, my girlfriend's actually coming to Norway tomorrow. So she'll be here. So we'll be together for a bit. And then I go back to Slovenia for camps and competitions. So well, it's and been it's cool in there. It's really cool because she is also, she understands your situation because she is also in it, you know, mm -hmm. and you guys will be able to carve out a life together, you know, as long as you decide to, and you'll be able to really understand where each other is coming from. She's going to know when you need to put more focus in and when you can back off. So exactly. I think that's that's really special too because I'm not sure who crazy ski jumpers you know may end up yeah. with who can really understand right. <laughs> their need for speed. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I mean, definitely having like a girlfriend that's ski jumpers. I think for both of us it helps because on comp day you don't want to be dealing with something else. <laughs> you want to like, and that's the nice thing about. Having each other is like we know we both know when the right time to back off is and you know when not to. So it's it's good. So let's talk about something very exciting that happened earlier this year in Beijing. Yeah. You made our yeah. Olympic team. You are Steamboat's one hundredth Olympian. I want to hear about the experience. I want to know what it felt like to be the hundredth Olympian out of Steamboat Springs. Yeah, it was pretty crazy my, my whole experience leading up to beijing was like super wild as well because originally i didn't make the team um and then a spot opened up for me last minute and i ended up getting onto the team and i was actually uh, leading up to that point really really excited and happy with my winter definitely thought i would be on that original team but sport is sport and stuff happens and you know i got edged out of there and i was definitely pretty bummed but at the same time, I was like, all right, well, there's another one in four years. Like, that's how it's going to go. And then it didn't. And I, I know, I think all the hard work and all the good results over the past couple of years definitely paid off. And when I didn't even know I was the 100th Olympian until like my mom like texted me and was like, hey, by the way. And I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, <laughs> especially just because I've been around, like, been in the World Sports Club for so long. Like, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to like tell my kids or my friends when I'm older. And um, yeah, I mean, Mr. 100, that's pretty wild. Oh, it's just <laughs> absolutely amazing. And so, but what's really cool is, you know, part of the beauty of sport is the drama. 
and you did not make the team and you i'm assuming you were sort of heartbroken crushed all the things so can you explain like how all that played out like how how long was it between not making it to getting the you know last minute slot yeah so i can't go like super i don't want to go like super far into detail like about like how it all went down but pretty much we had a criteria miscommunication and I had been jumping at the World Cup all season. So jumping at the highest level. And I had some good results, some really close to really good results. So definitely showed that the ability in jumping was there and that I had deserved to be on the team. But with the criteria of miscommunication, things happened. And it was dramatic. It was definitely pretty weird um, for everybody. I mean, for me, my coaches, my teammates, the organization, it was tough. But I mean, that's how it went. The rules were followed and I technically wasn't there, didn't meet the criteria. Um, but it did feel really, really good when I made it because I know that I had earned it. I knew that I had earned it like throughout the season and throughout the season before. And yeah, dramatic, sad at first, but ended just exactly how I wanted it to. Definitely like weird. I mean, all in all, Awesome to be an Olympian. Amazing. Really awesome experience. But with COVID happening and just this whole lead up, interesting. And there's, I think there's so much to look forward to because I think that true Olympic experience is like yet to come. Not that it wasn't amazing, but, you know, it was different for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I get that. And part of this lesson too is like you're an adult now. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation that politics come into play and, you know, yeah. this stuff happens and it's how you deal with it and how you persevere. If you went into a deep, dark depression and then found out that you ended up on the team after all, you might not have been able to recover. So right. it's no, about, sure. yeah, staying strong and, and keeping a positive mindset through it. And boom, here it is. Now you're yeah. there. Right. And it was really cool. Like definitely was bummed and sad but there was still so much winter to look forward to i mean that was in february yeah february january when the olympics were and i mean i still had all the way to the end of march to show like i did deserve to be on that team and i actually after i hadn't made it i went and i scored my first world cup points like the next weekend so that really put a stamp on it that was like all right yeah i should be here and so it felt really good and i mean you know, I understand how professional sports go. There's politics. It's a business. It's it's a business in a way. And yeah, I mean, but being young and you know going through something kind of weird like that was like, okay, it's kind of like the first punch in the face from the real world that you've gotten a while. So, but all in all, it was good, and it definitely taught me like a lot for sure. Because this Olympics has been the goal for a really long time. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So, talk about the actual Olympic experience, both yeah. on the jumps and off the jumps. Yeah. So, we got there. It was freezing cold, the coldest I have ever been in my entire life, probably. <laughs> Just in general, it was not ideal. But we got decked out with some pretty sweet, warm clothes. So, that helps. And yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We all, I had to wear masks everywhere. And I was with my team in our little, we had like a, a team apartment kind of within the team USA house or houses. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was insane. I wasn't like super, I didn't really like the normal hill, the small hill. 
if I'm being super honest, that was not my favorite ski jump that I've ever jumped. It was pretty, pretty tough. And I, I gave it my best and tried, but it just, I just never really found the rhythm of that hill. And yeah, so that was kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I was like, okay, first Olympics, this is still like, I can't be bummed. I can't be bummed and sad. And my girlfriend was also there representing Canada. So that was awesome. So we were there together. And she won a medal on the normal hill. So the hill that I didn't like, she won a medal, which was pretty insane. So that made, I mean, that made the whole Olympic experience super crazy. And then the large hill was actually much better. Definitely more of my style than I flying fast. And it was really good. Didn't honestly have the best jumps. It was a really, it was also really windy. So it's really hard to get lucky or get unlucky with because that plays a big role it's wind in our sport and i think i again tried my best and did everything i could and things just didn't really work out but overall i mean it was an, an amazing experience it's like definitely we'll never forget so yeah it's good i mean you'll look back and go well my first olympics blah 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 my second Olympics, blah, blah, blah. You know, you've, yeah, got, a, you've sure. got more. You've got <laughs> at least a, a few more to aim for. So 2026, that's yeah. in Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is, is that like, do you have a goal written on some piece of paper, like in the bathroom and you look at it every single day and you're like, I'm going there. <laughs> I, I don't have like a specific goal yet. I think ski jumping is such a, a specific sport and especially timing. Like, I mean, if you show up to the Olympics and you're not in shape, that's how, like, they're not in shape. Like, if, I mean, if you're not in shape, you're not gonna, it's not like, I mean, maybe some, some days are magical and some stuff happens, but I think, you know, at the, t I, in the moment I plan in my head, I plan to show up there ready to go and look at yeah, medals, the goal for sure. I mean, always will be until I retire and that will be the goal. But there's a lot of other stuff in ski jumping too, world championships, ski flying, world championships. So there's a lot of stuff and it's just, it's a long season. So you just have to kind of look at where you're at and then make goals based off that. Do you uh, take an off season? Yeah. Um, yeah. From the end of March until beginning of June is when the season officially starts. But usually we start going in April with individual stuff. Yeah, So not all. <laughs> no, I mean, do you do anything fun during the off season? Yeah, I went, uh, my girlfriend and I were in Tenerife in the Canary Islands this year, like right after the season. And then I did a big road trip from Steamboat to Calgary and then all the way down to Vancouver and up to Tofino. And so all the way up to Canada. So that was huge and long, but really fun. <laughs> Oh, amazing. So travel, seeing the world and having more mm -hmm. adventures. It sounds like you're doing it. <laughs> trying to try my hardest. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I love, I love to give people some fun, maybe what I call rapid fire question and mm -hmm. answer. So I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to do some fun, fun rapid fire with you here. All right. Let's so for, are you ready for this? You need a drink or anything? You need to take a gel? All right. We're going. What's your longest jump ever? 211 meters. Oh, my goodness. Multiply that by three point something, and that's how many feet you have for those of you who don't speak yeah, metric. Wow. Yeah, I don't know that it's the 
It's like it's the club record in Steam Out. Where'd you do it? In Klinica, Slovenia, on oh. the Hill. Oh my! How did it feel when you landed that? I was just like, whoa! <laughs> I was just like, okay, <laughs> cool. All right, let's do it again. Yeah. Wow, cool. Okay, what's the most amazing place you've ever visited? I really like Sapporo, Japan. Why? Really cool jumps, really cool culture, really big city. And yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's, and it's just, you know, it's completely different. It's completely different. And the culture is awesome. Japanese people are amazing. Wow. Love it. Do you eat sushi? Yes. Yeah, a lot me of it. too. <laughs> Love sushi it. A lot. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, okay. Sponsors. Name some. Who supports yeah, you? Steve Overs in the work. Steamboat Resort, um, Honey Stinger, um, USA Nordic, Steamboat Space Sports Club, um, USANA, Northland, and my parents. Shout out mom and dad. Yay! <laughs> oh, I love the parent shout out. Perfect. All right. Top three non-ski jumping sports that you love. Ooh, to watch would be soccer, hockey, and right now f1 and then then i do biking mountain biking swimming and skateboarding and fly fishing oh i love that yeah cool very cool um so if you ever become a parent you did mention telling your kids some stories someday what (laughs) oh i love this um your girlfriend is listening, you know. Okay. Yeah. So if you ever become a parent, what sport do you hope your kid chooses based on well, your experience? Yeah. I mean, whatever they want to do. Ski jumping is what I fell in love with. But if they want to do something else, I mean, I would love for them to be ski jumpers. But obviously, if they hate it and they don't like the cold, then all good with me. We can go to the ocean. Go, sir. Oh, <laughs> man, you are the coolest person. Okay. My daughter's going to. Be really mad at you, me, for asking you this question because she got to interview Olivia Giaccio and asked her this question and decided she should ask every Olympian this question, but she's not here right now. So I'm asking, what are your favorite training snacks? My favorite train. I really like most fruit snacks. Those have always kind of been my go-to, just fruit snacks. Like the, the classic, <laughs> but you know, like bananas, apples. Um, my favorite food is pizza. I, love Ooh, pizza. I like that. <laughs> You're a real person, in other words. Yeah. Awesome. Especially so from cool. Blue Sage and Steamboat. That's the best pizza, Blue Sage pizza. I love Blue Sage too. Oh, the shout out to them. Chicken. Yeah, shout out Blue Sage. Very cool. All right. So, you know, a couple more things. For aspiring ski jumpers, for all the little kids out there who watched you rocket in the Olympics and have been following your career, what is your advice to them? Yeah, I think the best piece of advice I could give is when you get to a level to treat it like a job, don't lose the enjoyment in what you do. And always remember why you're doing it, why you fell in love with it and always focus on that rather than thinking like I'm doing this because I have to and always have fun because if you really look at it, if you're a ski jumper, you are doing, in my opinion, one of the coolest sports in the world 
And not a lot of people get the opportunity to do that. So remember how lucky you are and always remember that it's about you enjoying it and remembering why you do it. Well, then I'm going to ask you, why are you doing it? Why did you fall in love with it? Yep. Just kind of the same thing. I love it. Um, there's no other or better feeling than ski jumping in my opinion. And I think traveling the world and getting to compete against a bunch of other people and create rivalries and friendships with people is what it's all about. And being competitive, I'm extremely competitive. So <laughs> when it boils down to it, it's all about competition and enjoying it all. Live it. All right. I do have one final question. We ask every guest who comes on the show and even our hundredth Olympian is not going to get away without answering this one. What is the greatest lesson you've learned through sport? You get beat up pretty hard before you can succeed for sure. I think that's probably the most valuable and the hardest lesson I had to learn. And that will serve you well for the rest of your career and actually for life beyond. Exactly. Awesome. Decker, it was so fun talking to you today. You're amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. And uh, yeah, let's, let's pull out that unicycle next time you're in town. Yeah, for real. I'll write it down to your, right down the street to your house. Come say what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club show. Check out our winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain.